0: I would ask that you would join me once again in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 9. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 9. Moses is going to be dealing with people like we deal with every day. He's going to be dealing with people that don't understand And yet he's going to be dealing with some people that do understand and have questions. And that's always a good thing. An honest question is a good thing. A question that we already know the answer to and we ask it, that might not be a good thing. Maybe we need to be humbled. I am convinced that there is only one that can spiritually humble us. It's not something we go about practicing on our own. It's something that God has to do for us. And I've been dealing with a young man for a couple of years now, visiting with a young man, I should say, visiting with a young man for a couple of years, and everything on his side has always been his part. He just is unable to see that God is in charge of salvation, God is in charge of revelation god is in charge of the word of god god is in charge of humbling god is in charge of exalting god's in charge and he's brought up a number of times passages of scripture that believe, begin like this i know a man now that's not found in the scripture and you know the only thing that i can do is i have to go right back to the word of god that's the only authority I have, is God's Word. So let us go there this morning in the book of Numbers, chapter 9. And I, I, would, I would that you'd read the 14 verses sometime. We've read part of it, but I'd like to start uh, in verse 5. Now, the Passover comes up. We have a time here, a timeline. It has been exactly a year since they left Egypt. And during that year, they have been camped out here at Mount Sinai. And here they have built the tabernacle and all the curtains and everything has been, all the gold stuff has been cast. I, I think about what they did. And in a year doing it, they, they had a lot of help from above to do that. Wisdom had to be given to people to comprehend how to do that. Casting gold, pounding gold out there in the desert. Well, it says they kept the Passover. In verse 5, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at even in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses. So did the children of Israel. What a wonderful statement is made there. And they observed the Passover just like they did in Egypt. Now, this is the first time that they were not in that kind of bondage that they observed the Passover. And they're going to observe it a number of times as the scriptures declare it. And then we find that the Lord seems to have attended at least four Passovers. And his parents always went for the Passover. And as I mentioned, when we looked at this, people asked me today, do we still observe it? No, it's over. The children of God were looking for the end of the Passover, and that was the cross. They were looking for the finality of this, and it would not be carried on. Just as we look for the end of communion service or the Lord's Supper, and that's going to happen when Christ returns and takes his church with him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord and will not observe it anymore. No need to. We have him. So there's no need to observe the Passover today. And people do. It's just a mockery. It's just an idolatry. He went to the cross. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He exercised that right upon the cross. He died in the place of his, of his people. He laid down his life a ransom for many. He entered into the tomb and came out victorious. And the Passover is over, even though people wanted to continue to do it and still do it. Well, now there's a question comes up because there are some men here that have noticed that they have, they have put themselves in a position where they cannot keep the Passover. And that is, they had defiled themselves by touching a dead body. Notice here in verse 6, And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day, and they came before Moses and before Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we kept back, that we may not offer an offering unto the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel. So there's a question brought up. Now, I am going to drop down to verse 11. It says, The fourteenth day of the second month at even. So we are moving a month. And they're going to have a second Passover. For these guys that had defiled themselves by touching a dead body, you know, it takes the grace of God to understand that we were defiled in the fall. Not everybody knows that, and nobody wants it, but God reveals it to us and says, you were defiled in the fall, and I'm the only one that can bring you out of that defilement. I am the Lamb of God that by my blood I will remove that defilement from you. And then we realized that we were defiled, but now we're clean. Okay, and it says on the 14th day of the month, of the second month, that even they shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning nor break any bone of it. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey And forbeareth, or doesn't keep the Passover, even the same soul shall be cut off from among his people, because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season, that man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger shall sojourn among you, and will keep the Passover unto the Lord according to the ordinance of the Passover, and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do." ye shall have have one ordinance, both for stranger and for him that is born in the land. Now, there's some really blessed blessings in this passage of scripture about uh, and on our behalf. We have this great privilege of seeing that God is going to make concession to these people and they're going to be able to take the Passover on the second month of that year. They're going to do that. And then he warns people, all right, if you skip out, and you're not interested, just like we are by nature, there is not going to be a Passover for you. Now, the part of this I want to look at is though the answer in verses 9 and 10. Now, we're going to cover those other two passages of Scripture in due time, but this morning I'd like to look here in the uh, book of uh, Numbers chapter 9, And verse 8, these men come with this question. There's a question mark. Now, Moses said unto them, Stand still, and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Moses said, Do nothing till the Lord gives me directions about you. Moses said, wait here until I have received instructions for you from the Lord. Now, it is a blessing to find out what the the wisdom that Moses shared with the children of Israel at that time. When he had a question, he needed to go to the Lord for an answer about that. There's two parts I'd like to look this morning. Number one, consider what it is to stand still. And number two, what it is to come to the conclusion about the Lord's will for us. Now, in religion, I had all kinds of ways to discover the Lord's will. You know, there is an account in the Judges about a man that said, you know, I'm just not sure. I'll put out this fleece. And then the next day, he put out the same fleece. In religion, I practice that all the time. I resigned a church one time because a person didn't show up. That was my fleece, so what could I do? I remember being on a creek bank one time fishing, and I was down in the dumps and wondered whether I was saved or not, and I said, Lord, if I catch a fish, it means I'm saved. Can you imagine A preacher doing that? I can, because I did it. I was a lost man in religion and trying to decipher the Lord's will. Well, after the Lord saves somebody, that isn't an issue anymore. Well, let's look at this. It Moses told these people to stand still. Now, this is a little bit different word than we find over there when they cross the the Red Sea, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, but the impart is the same. He's telling the children of Israel as they come up against the army behind them, the mountains on one side of them, the Red Sea on the front of them, what are we going to do, what are we going to do? And Moses just simply said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Well, that is the command I give to everybody. Stand still. Don't work your way into heaven because you can't. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, if he's pleased to save us. Well, there's this word is used a number of times. This particular word is used a number of times in the Old Testament, but I'd like to pick out a few just in the book of the Psalms. So would you turn with me to the book of the Psalms for just a few verses of Scripture that illustrate this point that Moses is sharing with these that came defiled. And they recognize the fact that they could not participate in the Passover, the second Passover. No doubt they had participated in the first Passover. But because of their caring for a dead body, they have eliminated themselves. They have defiled themselves to the point that they can't. And they recognize that. God had given them wisdom. Now, Moses is going to give wisdom in saying, you stand right here until... I have a word from the Lord about this matter. So turn with me, if you would, to the psalm, Psalm 33, Psalm 33. The same word is used here, and it is used in such a powerful way. It is wonderful when God says, stand still, and it happens. (laughs) When God orders it, and it happens, it would be terrible if God ordered something, and it didn't happen. What kind of God would that be? The God of natural man is what that would be. God isn't able to do what he said he would do. Well, here in the book of the Psalms, Psalm 33, and there in verse 9, the scripture says, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. That's what that word means. It stood still. When the Lord commanded, it was in position. It was placed. And that is the authority of Almighty God when he does anything. When he does it, It is done. There is no quibbling about it. No resistance to it. Have you ever resisted the Holy Spirit? Well, of course we did in our lost condition. Until the Lord came in his power. When the Holy Spirit came in his power. When he came and said, you will be willing in the day of my power. When the Lord came to us in the power of the Holy Spirit and said, I will turn you and you shall be turned. And then we were turned but we walked away from God a number of times in hearing the gospel and said, no, 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 no. And then that day when God worked his power and we found out that it was God working his power and not us, then that we stood still. All right, let's look at another verse here in the psalm about these words that Moses shared with these men that came and were defiled. In the book of the psalms, there in chapter 33 and verse 11, it says, The counsel of the Lord standeth, there it is, that word, the counsel of the Lord standeth, what? Forever. This is God's ordination. This is God's power demonstrated We make a monument and it doesn't last. You know, Nancy and I, we had the privilege of going to some cemeteries, 500, 600-year-old cemeteries there in in, uh, Europe. And you know, at one time you could see plainly the names and the dates. But over time, over all the weather, over all that, those monuments are becoming unreadable. Our monuments become unreadable. They stand for nothing. But, as we read here, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of His heart to all generations. This is this God that we read about in the Bible. He's not the God of human creation. He's the God of creation. He's the God that created the heavens and the earth. He's the God that ordained all things. He's the God that makes things stand still. What was it that stopped Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus? God ordered him to stand still. What is it that God does for every one of his lost sheep? He commands them to stand still. And you know what? He gives us the heart and he gives us the ears to hear that, to stand still and see his great salvation. Turn with me again here in the Psalms in Psalm 111. Psalm 111. In Psalm 111 and verse 3, we read these wonderful words about this great word of standing still. What is it that causes God's people to rest in him? What is it that causes God's people to be assured of him? What is it that takes the concern away? What is it that causes us to be settled? He tells us that he'll take us out of a horrible pit and set us on a solid rock. That's what God does for his people. He settles his people down. He causes them to look to him and not to every wind of doctrine that comes around. Everything that flies by, they're settled on him. Well, here in the book of the Psalms, in Psalm 111 and verse 3, it says, His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness, now here's the word, endureth. What does it do? Endureth forever. that's why we can rest in Christ. His righteousness imputed to us is going to endure forever. We don't have to worry about it. When he saves his people from their sins, he imputes his righteousness to them. Now, that righteousness was promised before the foundation of the world. That sanctification was promised before the foundation of the world. It's ours, but we just don't know it until he gives us eyes to understand it. And then we realize we've always had this in Christ. Well, it tells us here, it says, and his righteousness endureth. All right, guys, he's telling those two that had, or those folks, men that had defiled themselves, you stand here, just like this word means. You stand here, you wait till I get a word. Well, God is so rich in in defining that word for us. All right, another place or two, let's turn to the book of the Psalms, Psalm 122. Psalm 122. Here's this wonderful, we're not put on slippery places. When God saves his people, we're not put on slippery places. We're not put into a a position that we've got to hang on with one hand and the other foot is on a banana peel. He's settled us. He's satisfied. He's been satisfied. Therefore, he's satisfied with us. Here in the book of the Psalms, Psalm 122, verses 1 and 2. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand. That word stand. Where is it going to stand? Within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Our feet will stand in thy gates, O Jerusalem. Where is that? That's in Christ. That's in the blessings of the church that he has Uh, foreordained would be able to stand in his righteousness so we have this wonderful statement made by Moses to those men that were defiled and could not take the Passover you just stand right here I'm going to go talk to God we're going to look at that in just a moment one other place over here in Psalm 130 Psalm 130 in verse 3 this is this is God's action in us we cannot hold still on our own. We will not hold still on our own. And here in the book of Psalms, Psalm 130, in verse 3, If thou, O Lord, shouldest mark iniquities. Now, what does that mean? Lord, if you keep track of my sin, even after I'm saved, if you're going to mark it down and keep it in the book, who? shall stand. Not one. Not one will stand. That's why this has to be under the blood. That's why this has to be taken care of by the Lord. Nobody can stand. There is no standing if he marks iniquity. But since iniquity has been paid for by our Savior, the Lord Jesus on the cross, then we can stand firm. We can stand upright. We can stand before him and plead the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ as all our hope. Not of works, does anybody should boast. We find there, as it's mentioned in the first chapter of the book of First Corinthians, the reason he goes out through all the long list of his choosing, that no one should glory in his presence. Now, as we heard in that lesson this morning, nobody that's brought into the kingdom is demanding to sit In the lap of the Lord Jesus, we're willing to sit before his feet. Now, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We have more than we could ever think about, come up with, conclude. But to sit at the feet of Jesus, that's where we will. All right. These are just a few verses, and these are only the ones that I picked out of the psalm. There's a lot more in the psalms that share with us what Moses told those men when they came and said, we can't take the Passover because we have just buried a body. Now let's examine Moses' words. There in the book of Numbers, chapter 9, Moses said unto them, verse 8, Stand still, and I'll hear what the Lord will command concerning you. You know, there's a lot said in the Bible about the will of God. Move ahead, just one book, if you would. To Deuteronomy chapter 29. I will find out what God says about this. There's a lot said in the Bible about God's will. There's a lot said in the Bible about God having his will performed in us. Here in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 29, and I wrote down here, I was going to read the whole chapter, but I'm not. I'm just going to read verse 29. This whole chapter deals with Israel and God telling them, you're going to go into that land and you're going to forget all about me. And this is the judgment that will be brought. Well, here in the last verse of chapter 29, there in verse 29, we read these words. Now, people were saying, How can that how can God do that? How can God do that? What why would God do that? Why would God even mention that? The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, and we may Do all the words of this law. The secret things belong to God. You know, there's some of God's will we will not discover. We will not come to the conclusion of, and we are thankful to have a God that we knew all about and understood everything about is not a God at all. He's a creation of our own imagination, and that's what we have in religion, is a God of our own imagination. But this God that mentioned all of this to Israel There, before they entered into the promised land, the word of God to those folks was, the secret things belong to the Lord, and he's going to keep them secret. And there are things that we can understand. Why did God choose Jacob and not Esau? The secret things belong to God, because we find that God chose Jacob over Esau Before they had done any good or evil, before they were born, before they they hadn't gone to school and the teacher hadn't had to get after one of them and the other was a good kid. You know, know, my brother, oh my goodness, he was always the goody two-shoes. My twin brother, he never created any trouble. And guess what? Everything was blamed on me. My mother my teachers, and even when I was employed, we were picking strawberries. And I got into a fight with a kid that was throwing rotten strawberries at me, and I I whooped on him. And the lady in charge says, he, Gordon, has such a different disposition. Well, Jacob and Esau, before they were even born, before they could do any good or evil, because of God and because of what God does and he has his secrets that he's going to keep he chose one and as one old preacher said he can understand not loving Esau but how in the world could he ever love Jacob you know that's a mystery known to God and that's the way it will be with Every one of his sheep that are gathered before him. When did we do that? The secret things belong to the Lord. Turn over with me to the book of the John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15, as we find Moses said, I must go inquire. Let me go find out what the Lord has to say about this. And then we read, this is what the Lord said about it. In John, chapter 15 and verse 15, he mentions there's a difference between servants And friends, there's a difference. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a passage that I often use, particularly when I'm riding on an airplane. People say, fly safely, and I say, pray for the pilot. I have nothing to do with this. I'm just in a seat. Pray for the pilot. And pray, as we find here in the Old Testament, there was a group of people that they became Hewers of wood and drawers of water for the children of Israel. And these guys that fly the planes, they generally have no idea in the world who God is, but they're hewers of wood and drawers of water for the people of God. They take them there, and God grants most of our trips safely. Now, here we find there's a difference between servants, hewers of wood and drawers of water, and friends. In the book of John, chapter 15 and verse, John chapter 15 and verse 15, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. It's not up to servants to know what the Lord does. Why are you doing that? None of your business. Amen. I do it because. I do it. But I have called you friends. Now what does that mean? He saves some people from their sins. The servants. Those outside. Those that will never hear. They're servants, but he doesn't have to explain a word to them. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. What a glorious thing. I've made it known. Now, we're discovering that as time goes on. We're growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He withholdeth nothing from the church. He has it there, but he reveals it over time. But the servants, it's none of your business. If you would look with me in Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. Acts chapter 1 and verse 7. As Moses illustrates the point to us here. In the book of Numbers, let me go ask God. And now we find that the scriptures are how we know the will of God. I don't go into my study and wait for a voice to talk to me from the back of my head. I don't go out in the woods and say, God, speak to me. The only place that God speaks to his people is out of his word. And he shares with us out of his word his will. Now, sometimes we are absolutely certain God's will on a matter, and what do we want to do? The Bible expressly says, this is not my will. And what do we want to do? Well, we have a problem. It's God's word that we must deal with. It's God's word that we must take people to. We cannot give them opinion. We must give them the word of God. Uh, You know, sometimes it just, it rankles me to be around some of my family members who are just religious to the core and the only thing they can talk about is their church and their feeding people and their, all of their, their outreach and their stuff like that and not one word ever comes out of their mouth about Jesus Christ and their relationship to him. It's all what they're doing. Well, sorry, servants, I don't have to explain a third thing to you, but my friends, I will give you the inside scoop. Here in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 7. Acts, chapter 1, verse 7, the scriptures share this. And he said unto them, now they're asking, when are you going to establish the kingdom? You know, even believers have sometimes a warped view of things until the Lord explains it to us. They had a warped view. These guys had been raised from kindergarten, oh, preschool, excuse me. (laughs) Preschool to a doctorate's degree, they had been raised with the idea that God was going to raise up the physical kingdom of Israel once again. They had taken Old Testament scriptures out of context and applied it to real things when he's really speaking about the church. He's really speaking about spiritual things. So he said, when you bring up that question, this is the answer. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. What is their responsibility? Preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, and forget about this thing that you keep asking about. When are you going to set up the kingdom? Forget it. Preach the gospel and his kingdom will be set up. He will move people into his kingdom from Lodibar. He'll bring them in. They will be his kingdom. So that's the words that he gave. Another passage of scripture that we want to look at is found in Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We read this. Romans chapter 11 verses 33 and 34. It says o oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Can you get your arms around that? Oh the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. We'll never discover them on our own. We'll never discover them by our own study. They must be revealed. He must show us the truth of them. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And you know what? Peter was glad. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? What a statement. The Apostle Paul writes here to the church at Rome when there were people in that body that believed that God was an insignificant peon God, peanut God. I'll never forget those words that Brother Henry shared about a preacher when he was listening to a sermon on the radio and he let out a cry, and his wife came in, thought he was having a heart attack. And she said, what's wrong, honey? And she, he said, they've just put God in a wheelchair. And that's what religion does. Puts God in a wheelchair. He's incapable without our permission. So, and in Revelation, Romans chapter 16, would you look there with me? In Romans chapter 16 and verse 25. Romans chapter 16 and verse 25 Now to him that is of power to establish you concerning my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith to God Only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Why did Cain offer an incorrect sacrifice? One that did not please God? Because it was a mystery to him that he couldn't see through. And why did Abel offer a sacrifice that was accepted? Because it had been revealed to him. This is the picture of the Savior, the Lord Jesus. One couldn't see, the other was revealed. And that's what he's talking about. The mystery from the since been kept secret since the world began. Servants, it's a secret. Friends, it's a revelation. Servants, just keep doing what you're doing. Take care of my people. Friends, let me tell you the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, I have just a little bit left, and I would like to read a couple or three verses that always come up that we read about knowing the will of God. How did Moses know? Well, God spoke to him directly, and we have the record of it. That's something he doesn't do now. He speaks to us through his word. That's the only way he communicates with us. That's why it's important I come and listen to the Bible taught. He speaks to me out of his word. I hope that's why you come to hear what the Bible has to say. He speaks to us out of his word. And sometimes we just don't like it. It hits us crossways. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. In the book of John chapter 10, would you turn there with me? John chapter 10. And I can tell right now that this is going to be like one of those trains. We're going to have to unhook it and hook it back up next Sunday. John chapter 10 verse 27 Moses said you wait right here stand still be secure don't move I'll go inquire of the Lord here in the book of John how does God lead his sheep today how does he do it in John chapter 10 verse 27 our Lord said this my sheep Hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. They follow me with their life. They follow me with their salvation. They follow me with their... They follow me. They follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Now sometimes... Knowing the will of God is not the difficult thing. Facing the will of God. Man, I hated it when I heard the gospel. One side of me says, it's got to be. And the other side says, I don't want it. Facing it. God humbles. God kills us that we might live. Brings us low that we might be exalted. God does it. So my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. We find that David did the will of God. Served his generation by the will of God. And then fell asleep. By the will of God. Scoundrel. Oh, read about him. And yet... God said, he is a man after my own heart. Why? I created that heart. A new heart. I gave him a new heart. So we'll continue here, the Lord willing, next time we'll pick this up. And then we want to look at that that, uh, uh, defilement that they had. And then we want to look at the second Passover. The glory of God to permit that. He could have just said, nope. Nope. That's why I'm thankful the Lord didn't come back yesterday because he still has sheep to save. And then he will come back. Brother Mike, if you'll come.